This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, everyone. Elon Dubrovsky here. Like I promised on the last episode of Keeping Carlson, we have a special bonus episode for you today. Back on Saturday, I had the privilege of talking with Brock Sagan, editor-in-chief over at dailyfaceoff.com. He gave us the Daily Faceoff quarter two report for the NHL fantasy season. It was a great chat with a lot of helpful suggestions from Brock of things you could do to maybe improve your team. So without further ado, here is my interview with Brock Sagan. All right, and a special treat for our listeners. We last talked to Brock Sagan, editor-in-chief from Daily Faceoff back in December to give his quarter one report on the season. And now that we're past the halfway point, we're lucky to get Brock back again. So hello, Brock Sagan. Hey, how's it going, Elon? Glad to be back. Great to have you back. Uh, Daily Faceoff has been, you know, an invaluable resource lately with all these injuries and line changes. We've been, you know, referencing you a lot on the show recently, and it's really good you guys are up there because without it, I don't know how we'd be able to keep track. Yeah, it's been a busy uh, couple months. It's nice to have the All-Star break, give us all a little bit of a breather, uh, catch up on some injury news and all that. So it's been nice. Yeah, I could imagine. You must be really busy updating that every day. But we've got you back here today. And we're going to give, I guess, like another report. So we're going to talk about everything that's happened since the last time you came on. So in the second quarter of the season, we want to know who you think has impressed you, who has not impressed you, who's disappointed you, and then maybe some buy-low candidates for the future. Let's start. Which players have impressed you since we talked last? Uh, It's a bit of a cop-out, but uh, Ovechkin and Tavares, obviously. Um, (laughs) I mean, Ovechkin's had 10 goals in his last 10 games, which is impressive. So, you you know, it's kind of something you've come to expect out of those two. So I'm not really going to go with them, but they've been really good, uh, as you could expect. But uh, the three players that really impressed me lately are the three from St. Louis, Bacchus, Oshie, and Steen. They've been ridiculous. Um, In the first two months of the season, they combined for 32 points. And in the last 10 games... They have 22 goals, 27 assists for 49 points between the three of them. I mean, that's just unheard of. It's been uh, it's been ridiculous, and I don't see uh, you know any signs of them slowing down. Yeah, it's been a real change of fortunes over in St. Louis. At the beginning, we were talking all about the STL line, and now it's switched over to these three. I remember we were getting questions of people talking about should I pick up Oshi because he was a free agent in their leagues, or should I drop guys like Bacchus? Steen, I guess, has been pretty good all throughout, but he's especially heated up lately. But what do you think moving forward? Is that the top line in St. Louis that's going to produce the most? Or do you think it's going to jump back to Laterra, Schwartz, and Tarasenko? It's tough to say. I think going forward, I like uh, the Bacchus line a little bit better just because I trust Bacchus more than I do Laterra. And they both have great wingers on you know each of their lines, but I think I just trust the Bacchus line just a little bit more. But I mean, you can't really expect Tarasenko to slow down because he's been great all year. Yeah, and while we're talking about St. Louis, maybe it's worth mentioning that uh, the last time you were on, you were saying that you thought Paul Stastny was a good buy low and someone who would start to do well. And I remember we got a lot of questions after, like, should I really pick up Stastny? He's been so bad. <laughs> you know, in October, well, October he was injured. November he had three points in 12 games. And then after we talked, 
talk to you. You know, December nine points in thirteen games. January nine points in nine games so far. So good job with your uh, Paul Stastny prediction. And it's crazy because he's on the third line. Yeah, uh, the third line's been good. He's picking up some solid uh, power play time on that first. Well, they don't really have a first unit, I guess. But uh, he's picking up some solid power play time with Bacchus and them. So it was kind of uh, an easy prediction there with Stastny. He's always been a good player and playing with good guys. But, I mean, if he could ever see top six minutes, it would be, you know, even even better. Yeah, well, I mean, if he's getting a point per game right now in January... Uh, not getting top six minutes, then definitely it shows that you you knew what you're talking about. It was easy for you. A lot of people, myself included, weren't 100% sure that Stastny would be able to bounce back. Uh, so who else do you have as your uh, players who have impressed you lately? Uh, well, being a Red Wings fan, uh, it's been super impressive to see what Thomas Tatar's done. Uh, in the last month, he's only behind Alex Ovechkin with nine goals in 12 games. Since I last talked to you, he's got 12 goals and eight assists in 23 games. Uh, he's leading the team in goals. It's just been great to watch as a Red Wing fan and, you know, great, even better as a fantasy owner. So Thomas Tatar has definitely been another player on the uh, impressed me list. Yeah, it's crazy to think Detroit is just one of these teams that their young players continue to you know, develop and impress. Like last year it was Nyquist who blew everyone away and now Tatar. Nyquist is still really good and now they have Tatar who's amazing. Like this team is one of the best, I would think, at developing these young players and they still, you know, have Zetterberg and Datsyuk tearing it up. So I definitely think they're a great team overall to watch in the second half and Tatar, I guess, yeah, he hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. You don't hear a lot, you know, you're hearing a lot about the Predators and the Islanders as, you know, teams that are impressing this year more so than in previous years. But Detroit is just quietly going about their business. And it's because of these guys like Tatar and Nyquist who are continue to just light it up. And then Zetterberg and Datsuk just, you know, being Zetterberg and Datsuk. And so as a Red Wings fan, when Jimmy Howard went down, did that concern you? Or did you feel like you're just as confident in the backup Mrazek, who's been doing really well so far, aside from one really bad start against Buffalo last week? Uh, obviously, I was a little bit concerned because Howard had been having, you know, one of his best years in recent memory. Um, but, I ha- you know, I've always been a big fan of Mrazek. So I had some faith that he'd be able to come in and, you know, do kind of what Jonas Gustafsson did for us last year. And so far, so good. And what's the word? You're at Daily Faceoff. You always seem to know what's happening before it actually happens in terms of call-ups and injuries and everything. Like, is Gustafsson going to challenge Mrazek when he comes back? Because he's going to be coming back before Howard, right? Yeah, he's supposed to be back before Howard. I think ultimately Babcock will run with Mrazek um, until he struggles and then maybe give Gustafson a shot if Mrazek starts to falter. But I think right now it's Mrazek's job to lose until Howie gets back. All right, and you have one more player who's impressed you over in the second quarter of the season? Yeah, I think I actually mentioned him on the first uh, first time I was on as well, but Joe Pavelski. All right. <laughs> I was one of those guys who was, you know, I thought he was more of a 30-goal guy than he was a 40-goal guy like he showed last year. And he was he was proving me right. At the start of the year, he was only on pace for 33 on the year, but a Red Hawk December and January, he's, you know, back on pace for 41 goals. So it looks like he actually is a 40-goal scorer, and this is going to, you know, keep trending upwards. Yeah, also, I think it was one of his highest uh, time on ice recently. He played 22 minutes and 39 seconds in his last game. I guess it's not his highest in the whole season, but definitely it seems like the Sharks are really leaning on Pavelski, and he's delivering. So I am very happy to have him on my fantasy team, and it'll be really cool to see if he'll be able to match his point total from last year and goal total. Yeah, I think a a big reason they're leaning on him a little bit more is just because Marlowe's struggling to to find the back end right now. So, you know, they got to lean on Pavelski. And luckily for them, he's delivering because they'd be in trouble without those two, uh, you know, firing on all cylinders. So, hey, I actually thought of a couple of players that have impressed me. I wanted to run them by you since the last time we talked. Shoot. 
Okay, I remember we actually talked last time about Tuka Rask and Henrik Lundqvist, and both of them were kind of having really disappointing starts to the season. And I remember that you predicted that, you know, both of them will turn out okay, and especially Lundqvist. I remember you saying how last year also he had a weak start to the season and really heated up, and it's definitely come true. Like, Lundqvist, you know, had the 891 save percentage in October, but since then, like, especially, like, in January so far, in seven games, he has a 950 save percentage, six wins. Lundqvist has been probably the top goalie in the past month or so. So good call with that. And Rask also, you know, everyone was really disappointed with Rask, but he's, you know, 946 save percentage so far in January and in nine games has five wins. He's not getting as much offensive support as Lundqvist is, but definitely he's holding his own. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason you draft those guys, you know, one and two or one and three at the start of the year. They're great goalies. I mean, a slow start, uh, you know, it isn't going to deter me from leaning on them, especially because they're both pretty strong defensively. You know, the Bruins, not as strong as they used to be, minus Boychuk, but uh, Rask, you know, he, he, I saw, I watched them play Dallas the other day and he stole the show. You know, he's a guy you can lean on every game to steal games for you. And Lundqvist is the same way. So, um, hopefully some of our listeners, you know, bought low on those guys and they're reaping all the benefits right now. Yeah. That would be amazing if they listened to the quarter one report with you and then went and traded, I don't know who was hot at the time, maybe someone like Halak for Lundqvist that would have uh, really worked out well for them. And that probably is a trade they could have done. Yeah, absolutely. I think we actually discussed that last time, Halak or Lundqvist going forward, and definitely Lundqvist. I mean, Halak's been great too, but Lundqvist is is the way to go. And okay, here's another player I thought of, and he's someone I don't think we've mentioned so far in this season, but he definitely deserves mentioning. He had a good October, then he slowed down in November, but is on fire since then. I'm talking about Mark Strait from Philadelphia. At the end of November, he had played 23 games and had 13 points, which I thought was probably good for him and probably the pace that I'd expect him to be on for the rest of the season. That would put him at like, you know, a 40, 45 point defenseman. But since then, 11 points in 14 games in December and 10 points in 11 games in January, getting so many power play points. Mark Strait, that's the player that's impressed me maybe the most in the second quarter of the season. Yeah, I wrote an article on Daily Faceoff, I think a couple weeks ago, and I said, you know, a uh, defenseman to keep an eye on is Mark Strait, you know, pick him up, because he, he was available, I think, in 40% of Yahoo leagues or something like Crazy. that. And since then, all he's done is just rip on power play goals and assists, so it's been, uh, it's been nice. He's, uh, he's 37 years old, I mean, but he's been just so consistent throughout his career, and um, he's one player that's, you know, getting the job done in Philadelphia for a team that doesn't, you know, isn't winning a whole lot of games. Yeah, and so of his 10 points in 11 games in January, nine of those points are on the power play. Three power play goals and six power play assists. And I know that Brian actually likes to say, and for good reason, you know, that that's maybe also a sign that his point production is probably going to slow down because generally a player is going to play most of his time five on five. And so if the power play slows down, which it likely will, then, you know, the player is going to have a decrease. But in the meantime, especially in a league that counts power play points, you know, if you're getting points and power play points, whenever Strike gets a point, that's, you know, that's golden. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's probably somebody that you could look towards, you know, selling high right now because he, this kind of production is obviously not going to keep up. That's, uh, you know, an unsustainable pace for a defenseman. But, you know, if you can't sell him high even, I, I don't see him slowing down too, too much finishing. You know, he could finish with one of his highest point totals uh, of his career, even at 37 years old. And then, of course, honorable mention, we've talked about him to death on the podcast, but Matthew Perot was very impressive in the second quarter. And hopefully he'll come back and continue it. Yeah, Carcillo kind of put an end to that little bit of a that little run he had there. But 
Um, I actually had a couple honorable mentions written down, and Matthew Perot was uh, one of them. Some, you know, Brian Little as well has been really good in Winnipeg. That team's looking super strong right now, and those two have been great. And even uh, Colin Wilson out in Nashville, out of nowhere, oh, yeah. he's just started lighting it up, and he's still available in over fifty percent of Yahoo leagues, which is crazy. I mean, he's been great as of late. Yeah, if anyone listening has Colin Wilson available, I want you to tweet at us at Kevin Carlson and let us know who you're holding on to instead of picking up Colin Wilson. It must be a really shallow league. Yeah, I mean, I think. I think in the last month he's got seven goals and nine assists it's like where is this coming from it's he's a plus 12 too and that's uh you know on the, it's pretty strong second line i mean they added james neal to that line instead of bumping him back to the top line and both lines have been clicking yeah for sure but okay we talked about the disappointment of daniel carcillo taking out matthew perot who are some players who have disappointed you aside from carcillo in the second quarter of the season uh, i kind of mentioned him earlier but uh patrick marlowe He's on pace for his worst season since 07 08. Uh, he's picked it up recently, which kind of makes him maybe a bit of a buy low candidate right now. I mean, he had a 14 game goal this skid, which is something you would never see from Patrick Marlowe. But I mean, he's, he's got just three goals and 10 assists in his last 23 games, in, in, you know, since we last talked to you guys. And uh, it's been a bitter disappointment. But, you know, like we said, thank God Pavelski's picking it up for the Sharks. But I think he's somebody that you could look at buying low right now because I've had a lot of questions over a daily faceoff of people asking if they should drop Marlowe. And I'm like, I don't know about that one. Just because, you know, he's been such a good goal scorer in the past. Yeah, and even during the slump, he was still getting a lot of shots. We talked about it on the show that that's usually a sign that they're going to pick it up. And yeah, lately he's doing a little better. And I expect that he'll do better in the second half for sure. Uh, second, I have Jeff Skinner. Usually the main concern with drafting Skinner is his health. You know, he's had a lot of concussion issues and stuff, but he's actually only missed a couple games this year, but he's on pace for less than 20 goals, which is crazy to think because he's, you know, been a 30 goal guy multiple times. Um, but I think the big factor is just his lack of power play time constantly on the second unit. Or right now he's playing like the lowest power play time he's ever played in his career. And he remains without a power play goal after having 11 last year. So, I mean, I don't know what the issue is there in Carolina, why they haven't, you know, bumped off in that top unit, but it's just, uh, it's been a struggle for him. Yeah, also it seems like his general ice time is down. Like in the last couple of games, he played 14 minutes against Toronto and 12.56 against Ottawa. So it definitely doesn't seem like he's being used like he used to in the past couple seasons. Yeah, I mean, I don't know any inside stories or anything, but it clearly seems like he's he's fallen out of favor there in Carolina. And it's disappointing for, for fantasy owners. I mean, you'd like to think him as, you know, another player who could be a buy low candidate, but until he starts seeing, you know, increased minutes and, you know, more power play time, he really, he just doesn't have all that much value. Yeah, it's surprising that Yuri Tlusty is on that top power play and Jeff Skinner's on the second one. Yeah, I think uh, Nathan Gerby and Victor Rask both average more power play time on the season than than Skinner as well. It's just like, I don't, I don't, this is a former 30 goal scorer. I don't understand why, you know, he's buried so far down the depth chart there. Yeah, anyone who drafted him definitely has good reason to be disappointed. Who who do you have next for us? Latera from St. Louis. I mean, we talked about him earlier as well. He had a great start and then he's just kind of, you know, fallen off since we last talked. He's only got nine points in 22 games, but Tarasenko and Schwartz continue to, you know, put the points up, but Latera is just, you know, he's, he's been having a hard time picking up the points. So hopefully the way that team is still scoring that things will start turning around, but it's just been, uh, it's been an ugly, you know, second quarter for him. Yeah, I'm very curious to see what's going to happen with St. Louis at the end of the season. It'll be cool to see where all of these people land. So, you know, going into next draft, how high we'll be valuing these like seven good scores on St. Louis, not even considering the defensemen who are also doing well. But okay, who's your last disappointment? Uh, Jason Garrison. Usually you'd expect a player to kind of take some time to adapt. And that wasn't the case with Garrison. He, he had a strong start, you know, with his new team in Tampa. But since then, he's, he's only got four points in uh, the last two months in 20 games. 
and he's fallen behind Hedman and Strawman on the uh, you know on the power play time. He, he barely sees any any minutes on the power play, and I think most of that is because Tampa loves to use four forwards and one D on their units. So they only use Hedman and Strawman, and Garrison rarely sees any power play time. I think he's 12th on the team in power play time, and uh, you know it's showing in his production. Yeah, well, with Tampa, they have so many great scorers right now. Yeah, I, I'd imagine that there's not much room for a guy like Jason Garrison to get any valuable usage. Yeah, it's just crazy to think, you know, Strawman's never really been, uh, you know, a huge point producer, but in his new role in Tampa, he's really been great. And uh, it's really pushed Garrison, you know, out the back door, even though he's got an absolute cannon for a slap shot. But, you know, they, they seem obviously content with the way Strawman moves the puck around, and it's really hurting Garrison. Okay, and for the disappointments I want to throw at you, I basically just have two teams that have players that have disappointed me. So I'll start with Toronto. Tyler Bozak and Phil Kessel. What's happened to these people? Like, Bozak was having the best season of his career. It was seeming like a point-per-game player. I felt like such a genius for drafting him when I did, you know, really late in my draft. And Phil Kessel, he was was having a really great year even later than Bozak. You know, like, even at the end of 2014, it had been an amazing season for Kessel. January, though, Kessel has three points in 10 games, so he's disappeared. And Bozak... Even worse, two points in 10 games in January. And both of those points came in the same game. So you take out that game and it's been just a bunch of donuts for Tyler Bozak. Yeah, that team's offense is just completely evaporated. I mean, um, you expected to see a little more defense under, you know, the new uh, the new coaching. But I don't understand how all that talent, you know, how, at one point they were leading the league in goals. And now they, you know, they couldn't buy a goal. So uh, I expect a little bit of improvement. I mean, I've, I've gotten burned by those guys a couple times. I keep taking them you know, in one day fantasy leagues thinking like this has got to end sooner or later. And it doesn't, they just cannot seem to find the back of the net right now. And then my other group of players, I've got four players for you all from the same team. I'm talking about Matt Duchesne, Nathan McKinnon, Ryan O'Reilly, and Gabriel Landeskog on Colorado. All of these people have been big disappointments this season. None of them have over 30 points on the year, even though we're talking like 48 games played for for all of them so yeah definitely a disappointment for anyone who was drafting a lot of Colorado Avalanche players yeah I know that I remember the first time I was on here we talked about how you know the Avalanche might be good by low candidates because what they did last year was it was excellent and you expected that to maybe carry into this year a little bit um, we said that Colorado would be good by low and LA would be good by low candidates I mean LA's turned out to be good Gabrick's playing well now and Kopitar's playing well now so I mean, we were right on 50% of it, but yeah, Colorado just, they can't seem to, you know, get it going. I don't know what it is. Take a guess. Who do you think is the leading point scorer right now on Colorado? Oh, man. Probably Duchesne. No, he's third. It's Alex Tangay. Oh, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Who would have guessed that? 32 points in 46 games. Alex Tangay is the brightest star right now on the Colorado Avalanche, someone who I'm sure went undrafted in a majority of leagues. Yeah, I think I've mentioned him in our fantasy minute a couple times as somebody to pick up because he's he's shown spurts of uh, you know a lot of quality goal scoring and clearly he's he's kept it going and right now he's leading the team probably yeah like you said nothing anybody could have really predicted at the start of the year. All right, but enough of these depressing disappointments. Who do you have as the buy lows for the second half of the season? Who are the people that no one is thinking will do well, but you could say no, get these guys, they're going to pay off. Uh, I have a, two pairs of forwards from a couple teams. Um, First off is Taylor Hall and Jordan Eberle. Um, it's going to be kind of interesting to monitor that situation at Edmonton leading up to the trade deadline. I mean, there's been a lot of rumors swirling about Hall getting moved or Eberle getting moved. And obviously, if they get traded, kind of like what's happened with David Perron, he gets moved out and he's having put up great numbers in Pittsburgh. So 
even if if one of them gets moved, it's obviously going to help their fantasy value drastically. But even if they don't get moved, these are guys that you would expect to pick up their goal scoring. Hall was, you know, a first round pick in a, in a lot of leagues this year. And he's on pace right now to have, I think, the same amount of points as he did in the lockout shortened year, which is just crazy to think about. And then Eberle is also on pace for his worst season since his rookie season. So these guys, like, despite the you know futility in Edmonton, you would expect them to still score goals because it's not like they've been playing on good teams in years past. This team's been pretty bad every year they've been there. So the first half that they've had just doesn't really represent who they are as players. And I think that you know, right now is a time where you can get them as you know a lot lower value than they would, say, if you would have tried to get them two months ago. Yeah, and especially in a keeper format, like someone like Taylor Hall, it might be the best chance you'll have of getting him. Like he had 80 points in 75 games last year. And then you were saying in the lockout season, you know, 50 points in 45 games. So this is definitely someone that is capable of being an above point per game player. I don't know how he only has 29 and 41 so far, but I agree with you. He He's probably going to improve because just like you said, Edmonton was crappy the last couple of years also. Yeah. And like you said too, right there in keeper formats, this is definitely the lowest his value has been probably since he came into the league. And if there's ever a time where you're going to be able to get a guy who has got a beautiful career ahead of him, now is probably the uh, the opportunity. All right, and who are these other pair of by-low forwards? Uh, Chris Kunitz and Patrick Hornquist. Kunitz missed some time with a foot injury, and then when he got back originally, they didn't put him back with Crosby. Um, they've since moved him back onto that top line, and he's starting to produce. So I think he's somebody that, you know, just looking at his overall numbers, you might be able to get a little bit lower than you usually would be able to. And the same note, Patrick Hornquist is a guy who's still out with an injury. He's probably going to be out for another two weeks still. So owners are just waiting for him to come back. But if you can send in an offer for a guy who's currently playing right now, getting Hornquist for when he comes back for a playoff run might be you know, a good idea. Yeah, those are definitely very interesting options. The thing with Pittsburgh right now, it seems like everyone's injured. Now Latang, Malkin, and even Crosby had to skip the All-Star game. So... I mean, definitely all of these people are very valuable, but especially if the Penguins are fully healthy, then, you know, Hornfist playing with Crosby and Kunitz and Malkin playing with Perron, you know, like all of these people have so much value. I just really hope Pittsburgh will be able to get a healthy team together for the fantasy playoffs for anyone who has Penguins players. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it looked like just when they started to get healthy again, then all of a sudden, right before the All-Star break, you know, three of their biggest stars go down, like you said. I think there's got to be a time where they're all, you know, start to get healthy at the same time. And when that happens, you got to look out. I mean, they're not all that dangerous when it comes to maybe winning the cup this year, just because they lack a little bit of depth. But for fantasy purposes, I mean, that top six is just, it's nasty when, uh, you know, when it's healthy. So yeah, definitely anyone who can get Hornqvist or Kunitz uh, for a low price, you know, for an exchange for like maybe a 60 point type of player, that would probably be a real steal. Uh, Do you have any others? Oh uh, yeah, just one more. Uh, on the blue line, uh, Ryan McDonough has kind of had a difficult year just because of the separated shoulder. Um, he sits with just 15 points on the year, which is a lot lower than most people would expect at the All-Star break. But when you look at it, he really is only eight points behind last year's career pace. But when you just look at the overall numbers, he might be somebody who you can you know sneakily get for cheap. And then for the second half, um, I think he has a ton of value going forward. He only has one assist in his last eight games. So owners might be looking at that as somebody who's ice cold. But really, he's not having too bad of a year. But overall, his numbers just don't look you know that strong. So I think he's somebody that you can get for maybe a, a defenseman that's outperforming his usual output and you know sneak somebody in like McDonough. Yeah, and especially in leagues that count some of these peripherals like blocks, he's capable of delivering those in 
his game against Pittsburgh back on the 18th. He had five blocks. So if you could get some points out of him, if he picks that up, then he'll definitely be valuable to uh, people in leagues that count these other categories as well. Yeah, I mean, he plays huge minutes too. He plays a lot of power play time. So it's only a matter of time. I mean, the Rangers are scoring goals, but he just, you know, is having a hard time finding the stat sheet right now. But like I said, it's he's almost on pace with what he did last year. And last year was a career year. It just, it doesn't look like it. All right, well, definitely some helpful tips. Hopefully people will be able to swing some trades to improve their teams based on what you've suggested. And uh, let's go now to a couple of questions that we got. I saw you tweeted saying you're going to come on Keeping Carlson and you were open for business. So I saw a few questions came in. Let's start with at Steven Seuss one who asked, is there any news on Hornquist's injury and will he play with Sid or be switched? So you already mentioned Hornquist. You were saying he's still going to be out another two weeks or so. I was hoping sooner. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Penguins are a hard team to get uh, injury information out of, you know, maybe the hardest team in the league. I know he underwent x-rays this week, um, although the, the results have not been made public. He's expected to resume skating right after the All-Star break, so he could be on the ice as soon as Monday. Um, and then it all really depends how his injury responds. I mean, he has to get into a couple full practices. He's got to be cleared for contact before he gets back into the uh, in the lineup. So I expect maybe another 7 to 10 days after the All-Star break. And then as far as who he plays with, the Kunitz, Crosby, Perron trio seems to be working pretty well together. So he could come back and land on Malkin's line. And really, does it, it doesn't really matter if he's playing with, with Crosby or he's playing with Malkin. Either way, uh, he's going to have a you know really talented pivot. So I think another maybe 7, 10 days after the All-Star break, and then he'll start clicking with his new line mates again. Yeah, well, 29 points in 33 games so far. So that's very close to a point per game. I hope that he'll come back soon and get right back to where he left off. Also, he has 120 shots in 33 games, which is crazy. Yeah, he's a great, he's a great guy in the power play too. He likes to get in front of the net there and that's what they need. They got, you know, Malkin, Crosby, Latang to move the puck around and he'll just bang in the stuff in tight. So when he gets back, he's, uh, he's definitely going to be one to look, you know, keep an eye on. Okay, and then at two min for boarding asks, should I try to move Giroux and Voracek due to only two or three games in Yahoo Fantasy Playoff weeks one and two? So that's an interesting question. We haven't really talked much about the fantasy playoffs yet. We're definitely going to need to get you, Brock, back on the show when the playoffs are approaching, you know, to actually look at, because, you know, Daily Faceoff has all those great tools, like looking at the weekly schedules coming up. Uh, It'll be really useful for when the playoffs are approaching. But for people who want to really plan ahead, is it worth dropping top tier guys like Giroud and Voracek due to not such great playoff schedules? Uh, well, first of all, I really like the planning. I mean, he's looking pretty far in advance. So that's that's good. But I, I think it's tough to move two guys that are in the top five in scoring right now just because they don't have a lot of games in the playoffs. I mean, I would probably be patient with it and maybe kind of test the waters to see if you can you know, get a huge deal with these guys for somebody who does have a lot of games in the in the playoffs. But I wouldn't push for a deal just to get rid of these guys because they don't have a lot of games. Because even in two games, um, you know, the way they're scoring right now, they can put up more points than somebody who has four games. Um, but if you can get some big names in return who, who play more games, I mean, it's worth taking a look. Yeah, and I definitely promise our listeners will get Brock back on. And also Brian and I will be talking about the playoff schedule as it approaches. But we've still got a month or two to go for that. But definitely a great question and I agree with you I mean if you could get a big haul for them and you're going to get three or four extra games out of it then maybe it's worth it but at the same time you don't want to sell low on Giroud and Voracek yeah no definitely not I mean Voracek's leading the league right now so you might be able to get a big haul like you said but uh it's definitely just you don't want to sell low you don't want to you know sell yourself short you got two great players kind of test the waters and just see what you can get Okay, one last question actually came from our Keeping Carlson patron Facebook group. Dave asked, who's a backup goalie that can have a big second half? 
Um, I'll give you a couple answers just in case one or one of them is not available. First, I'd probably go with Jake Allen. Uh, looks like Martin Brodeur's time in St. Louis is pretty much up. And since Elliott's got back, he's actually seen the majority of the starts. And I think that might have been just because he'd been rested from the injury. But I expect after the All-Star break to kind of to go back to a 60-40 split. Um, Allen's been strong in goal. The team is excellent, clearly. We've talked about him a ton on this episode. So Allen's probably one to keep an eye on. Um, he's probably available because I know he's been dropped a lot because of you know the lack of starts he's been getting. St. Louis also has six back-to-backs the rest of the way, so he, he's going to get his chances. Um, second would be Anti Rant in Chicago. A great team. Like the Blues, he's got six back-to-backs the rest of the way. And, you know, Crawford hasn't really been, you know, all that good as of late and rant has been excellent all year so he might be able to you know steal a couple starts here and there plus they have a lot of back-to-backs left and you could be somebody to keep an eye on you just you know on waivers you know pile up a couple wins and uh lastly i'm gonna go with cam talbot you know the rangers have the most back-to-backs of the top tier backups that should be available with seven um they like to ride lundquist quite a bit so talbot might not see as many starts as say allen and ranta but he's been great too. So when he gets the call, he's been getting the job done. If the Rangers decide to maybe, you know, rest Lundqvist a little bit leading up to the playoffs, then Talbot could definitely be somebody who could step in and, uh, you know, fill his shoes. Yeah, it's interesting strategically, right? Like for sure, guys like Ranta, Talbot, and Allen are great for spot starts because their teams are so good that you'd expect that if they are playing and you have them in your lineup, you know, you have a good chance of getting the win. So you could go that route or, you know, maybe you want to go for backup goalies that you think will actually you know, steal starts or actually have a chance at the number one spot. But then usually that's the case for teams that are not as good. Like obviously some people that people are looking at now, especially with injuries, are the Carter Huttons and now the Curtis McElhenney's. But uh, definitely if you're going for just quality numbers when you get the starts and the three you said are great. And if you're saying that, you know, someone like Talbot is going to get a lot of chances due to back-to-backs, then that's definitely someone that people should be looking at. Yeah, another guy too is who's been playing, you know, really well as of late is Anton Hudobin in Carolina. I mean, it took him a long time to record that first win of the year, but he's, you know, he's rattled off a couple consecutive wins now. And, and it seems like he's kind of, you know, taking that number one spot away from Ward for the time being. Um, it's kind of been like a seesaw battle all year, but he's another guy you can kind of look at. I think he's, you know, pretty readily available in Yahoo League. So he's another guy who you, if you're looking for somebody who's not playing on a great team, but he's going to get a lot more starts than say Alan Ranta and Talbot, then Hudobin's another guy you can look at. So Dave, I hope that helped. Maybe we gave you too many names and then it's basically like you're back to square one trying to decide between them who to grab. But thanks for the question. And Brock, thanks so much for joining us again on Keeping Carlson. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me again. And, uh, you know, looking forward to the next episode uh, come playoff time. Yeah, it'll be the daily face-off playoff preview. We'll be leaning on you to see what about the schedule can give people some tips of things they can do to improve their team's chances to win in the playoffs. Sounds good to me. And uh, best of luck, you know, to everybody in their fantasy leagues. And best of luck to you, Elon. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. And there you have it. Brock Sagan, editor-in-chief at dailyfaceoff.com. What a great interview. Can't wait to get him back to help us with our fantasy hockey playoffs, which are fast approaching. So I hope you all enjoyed this bonus episode. Of course, if you feel so inclined, you can feel free to show your appreciation by going over to iTunes and giving us a five-star review. But I won't bug you anymore with anything like that. You can also go to keepingcarlson.com slash patron, though. Okay, we will catch you all next week with another regular episode of Keeping Carlson. Actually, it'll be episode 50, so that's kind of cool. But let's cue that outro music. And you'll hear from Brian and I again on Sunday. <laughs>